Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey, Mark Treichel here with another episode of With Flying Colors. This is going to be a discussion on NCUA's board item, the 2022 mid-session budget review uh, presented by their chief financial officer. It's not a board vote. It was just a briefing. Up until about three or four years ago, there was always a full vote on the mid-session budget and then the agency transitioned to only having an update on it, which actually makes quite a bit of sense. Unless the board is voting to add positions or something like that at mid-year, there's really no need for it to be a, a vote. And a briefing makes much more sense. So they're going to speak to the fact that there's an operating surplus for uh, 2022 so far of $18 million. And that a big chunk of that relates to pay and benefits because there are more vacancies at NCUA than anticipated. They, By the way, they build in a vacancy factor. And so if they underspend that, that means they have more than they anticipated having. And just like the rest of the world, the rest of the United States is dealing with the great resignation. NCUA has some staffing challenges themselves. So not surprised that they're dealing with this along with the rest of the country. Also, they have a surplus for the lack of travel. They anticipated travel to be down, and it's down even beyond that with another projection of savings of about $9.3 million. Those monies will roll forward as a reduction in the amount of cash they need to collect and or money they need to budget for their budget for 2023 and will have a corresponding reduction either cost to the federal charter credit unions or the states via the overhead transfer rate. So let's hear what the chief financial officer from NCUA on this topic. On slide two, I have summarized the key points up front the takeaways from the 2022 mid-session budget review. The takeaways from the 2022 mid-session budget review are these. We project an operating budget surplus for 2022 of about $18 million. The CIF administrative budget have a small surplus of about $600,000. The capital budget is 65% obligated through May with no reported or anticipated surpluses or shortages this year. And at this time, no board action to adjust the approved budgets is necessary. Slide four identifies the factors creating the projected $18 million surplus. It is comprised in roughly equal parts of surplus in the pay and benefits category and in the travel category. Pay and benefits is projected to be below budget because of lower aggregate staffing levels through mid-year. Through the end of May, the accounting period upon which the mid-session was conducted, the agency experienced higher actual vacancy rate than was estimated when we developed the 2022 payroll projections. At present, the agency has 32 hires projected to start in the coming months 
and the hiring process to fill vacant positions is ongoing. No change in the board approved staffing levels are recommended at this time. Travel expenses are lower than budgeted. The agency continues to operate in a largely offsite or remote work posture. Travel has started to increase somewhat, but it remains well below historic averages, as well as below the level budgeted for 2022. The forecast is for travel activity to gradually increase in the fall and through the end of the year, but not to be back to historic patterns. Also impacting the travel budget are inflationary increases in transportation and lodging. Travel spending for 2022 will probably be about 50% or more below the approved budget, meaning a surplus of $9.3 million or greater in the travel category. For the remaining operating budget expense categories, rent communications utilities, administrative expenses, and contract services, no material surpluses are projected at this time. So uh, 32 hires starting soon, that out of about 1,200 employees, that equates to about 3%. It's interesting to and good to hear that they've got some staff coming on. That can, you know, obviously be at all levels from the examiner level all the way up to the executive level. In conclusion, all three budgets are projected to remain within the levels approved for 2022 by the board with a projected surplus of about $18 million in the operating fund budget and a $600,000 surplus in the SIF administrative budget. No board action to modify the budget is necessary at this time. Staff will factor in the projected surplus as part of the development of the 2023 budget and operating fee recommendations. Okay, I cut out most of what the staff had to say there because it's just, it's not really material. I will say that, you know, they talked about the fact that the surplus is going to be used relative to the, they'll take it into context with the budget and they'll take it in context of the operating fee, which impacts state charters and federal charters a little bit differently. And then I also want to say they reference the website where the NCUA budget material uh, is located. I will tell you that it is voluminous, particularly when you compare it to the other banking regulators. And that goes to the power of NAFQ and NASCIS, the trade groups, who pushed Congress to change the Federal Credit Union Act to require NCUA to have budget briefings. Because NCUA is required to have those budget briefings, they are far more transparent than the other banking regulators. And if you're interested in that, I suggest you compare what's on the FDIC budget for their budget, which is a very few pages, compared to NCUA's budget web page, which is hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of pages. All right. So let's let's see if there's comments here from the board, which I, I know there's one I want to clarify, but let's see what the board has to say relative to this budget. Looking ahead to next year, uh, with travel returning to a more normal state and general inflationary pressures, what can we expect for the direction of the 2023 budget? Could you please lay out some changes that we can expect uh, on light items, both up and down, and what items will have to be considered as part of the budget next year? Sure, so I think we'll continue to see upward uh, budget pressures going forward. Staff turnover and vacancies, as I noted, have created some of the near-term surplus in pay and benefits as compared to the budget. But as those positions get filled, 
the payroll expenses will continue to grow. The uh, I think the second area you're going to see some uh, yeah, would expect to see some increase in is going to be travel. Travel has been sharply curtailed during the pandemic. We estimated a obviously too much travel for the 2022 budget, but again, anticipating we have seen it start to travel uh, start to increase, and I think that will continue. While I don't expect we'll see pre-COVID pandemic travel patterns, as I noted, uh, inflationary pressures are particularly hitting the travel uh, expenses, particularly airfare and lodging. And we continue to be more reliant on technology uh, and have an ongoing need for better information and data as a part of our mission in protecting the share insurance fund. So I think we'll continue to see pressures in the contracted services, particularly as it relates to technology expenses. And that concludes my response. Okay, so a lot there. Again, I edited some immaterial things out. By the way, information where I'm using the actual voices here of NCUA board members and staff comes from YouTube. NCUA is amazingly quick at getting their board meetings published onto YouTube. And so this is public domain information that I'm pulling in here to comment on as far as my opinion as it relates to the budget. I will say that you know Todd highlighted what he said the priorities are. And one of those he mentioned was consumer protection. He's very big on consumer protection, always has been from his days as a staffer at NCUA and his days on the Hill. And, you know, you can expect, I believe, in the budget that comes out at the end of the year for 2023, a bigger emphasis on consumer compliance. He spoke to the importance of consumer compliance at GAC back in February. The NCUA priority letter always highlights consumer compliance. And this past year, also talked to a review that NCUA is doing on shared share overdrafts. Todd spoke of that at GAC, and you know they're they're gathering information on share overdrafts. They're looking at if credit unions have done audits, internal audits on them. They're looking at whatever communications you have. And while they indicate they're not going to address this in the exams in 2022, they're going to take the information that they gather and may address those types of things in 2023, and they may expand their scope on that. Another thing they may do as it relates to consumer compliance is there's been a a long-term interest at NCUA to gear up the level of consumer compliance interactions they have with with exams as credit unions approach and get closer to the $10 billion threshold. Why? Because at $10 billion, CFPB, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau becomes responsible for consumer compliance. And it's in the best interest of credit unions and NCUA that when credit unions hit the CFPB threshold, that they're operating optimally. The discussion is to have more, more reviews of that at NCUA. They tried to get some of that into the budget last year. They ended up only coming up with a, a couple of positions in the budget to take a look at that, which means when you get to the end of the year, there should be something in there because they've been looking at it where they may expand that and you might see some FTEs or full-time equivalents or bodies, if you will, assigned to that. All right, let's see what else uh, staff and board has to say. Thanks. I certainly appreciate the observations about travel. I know that last year's proposed budget uh, was higher than we ultimately approved. And uh, for the last couple of years, we've overestimated travel and we may find ourselves in a place next year that we might underestimate travel. So I, I do think we need to be careful. I also appreciate all the transparency you provided about what may happen with next year's budget. 
and I look forward to seeing a staff draft budget soon so that the NCUA board can obtain public input, deliberate, and again reach consensus on future spending. In closing, I thank my fellow board members and the NCUA team for remaining fiscally responsible and for working together to operate within our means while achieving our core goals of allowing credit unions to meet the credit and savings needs of their members, including those of modest means with safe, fair, and affordable financial products and services. We can never lose sight of the fact that our efforts to protect the hard-earned savings of credit union members helps them to achieve financial security. That concludes my remarks. Vice Chairman Hoffman, the floor is now yours. Okay, before Hauptman talks, Chairman Harper spoke to the fact that he's looking forward to seeing the budget for 2023, which usually hits, in good times, hits the NCUA board in August and September, and it gets fast and furious after that because, as I mentioned, they need to do a budget briefing. Budget, budget briefings should be slotted in October or November. Last year, I believe it slipped to December because the board was negotiating and or staff were negotiating on where to land. Ultimately, by the end of the year, they need to have a budget vote. To have a budget vote, they have to have a briefing. To have to have a, a an appropriate briefing, they need to have ample time for there to be discussions between the briefing and the board vote. So presume a board vote in December perhaps a briefing if we're fortunate in late October. And there's more to come on on how that briefing might change coming forward. And here's board member, Vice Chairman Holtman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And congratulations again, Todd, on your swearing in last week. Thank you. Thank you, Gene, team, for the presentation. Last year, we voted on the mid-session budget in September. I'm sure the credit union community welcomes the timeliness of this year's review and the fact we're working on delivering the 2023 budget earlier as well. Transparency in government is one of my guiding principles. It goes hand in hand with regulatory clarity and timeliness. Agencies like NCUA are quirky in that the agency just says a dollar amount and then the credit unions pay it. That's obviously unlike any other transaction we do in life. Even politicians that set tax rates know they will soon face the voters' opinion. A business that charges too much will lose customers. But our situation is indeed somewhat quirky in NCUA. It's a rather different type of transaction. So I'd like to propose that the budget hearing we have later this year be a true dialogue between NCUA and those who pay us. The hearing should have an actual give and take, so to speak, between NCUA and credit unions to arrive at a common understanding. This type of hearing seems fair, and it's yet another way uh, NCUA can be a model of good government. Although we are not voting on it today, I wish to comment on the projected surplus of $18 million. It's not a surprise that the $18 million is concentrated in two areas, pay and travel. A surplus is a good thing, much preferred to the alternative. Yet this $18 million surplus is credit union money for the simple reason that all of NCUA's budget is credit union money. My questions today will focus on how credit unions themselves benefit from this surplus. I'm hopeful that once we get back to normal, uh, or more accurately, the new normal, NCUA, just like the rest of the world, can you continue to take advantage of the lessons we learned regarding virtual exams, as well as communications, meetings, and more. The cost savings and efficiencies could have a significant impact on future budgets. We certainly deserve some positives from the forced experiments caused by the pandemic. I do have a couple of questions for you. So last year, we had a significant surplus, and some of it was returned to the credit unions. How does this projected surplus differ, and is there an opportunity for the surplus cash to be sent directly back to the credit unions? Uh, thank you for that uh, question, Vice Chairman. Uh, the action on the 2022 budget okay. included both an offset 
that was attributable to the surplus or the unused portion of the 2021 budget. And that was a $23 million. Uh, it also, last year, the actions included an analysis of the operating fund's cash position, uh, which resulted in an offset uh, to the operating fee calculation. Uh, so there were, there were sort of two different actions there. Both of these are being considered by staff again as part of the 2023 budget proposal. The $18 million that I mentioned in my presentation this morning is a bit lower than the 2020, the $23 million that offset the 22 plan, but we'll continue to refine that estimate as we put the budget together. Thank you. Okay. So, should a credit union out there listening to us expect a check of some sorts back to them? No, correct? Um, so not actually in the form of a check. Uh, what we did last year was to uh, lower the, because the, they still had an operating fee to pay. Sure. Uh, we heard specifically that amount, and I anticipate that we will be able to do that again uh, in 2023. Gotcha. Uh, uh, either way, it's still a cash flow in, improvement for the credit union straight up. Okay. Right. All right. So this is where it gets kind of complicated. So Federal charters pay an operating fee. State charters do not. State charters costs related to NCUA come directly from the insurance fund. And then there's an overhead transfer calculation where they determine how much of state charter work is safety and soundness, how much of it is regulatory. And in the end, some money comes from the insurance fund relative to federal charters. Any money that comes from the state charter comes from the insurance fund. And in the final amount is the operating fee calculation. So there's also referenced here to the money going towards building up a cash surplus. Uh, obviously, NCUA needs cash to pay its bills. Sounds like they increased that surplus a little bit last year and may do so this year. Uh, I just want to clarify that when there's a, for example, a $10 million operating surplus, all that money does not go back to federal credit unions. There's calculations and they will take all of that into consideration uh, for the operating fee, the overhead transfer rate, and the insurance fund. And remind us, when do you when do we expect to see the first draft of the 2023 budget? Uh, the planned timeline for public release of the 2023 budget is the end of September 2022. So about two months. All right, perfect. And last thing. So are you on board for a, maybe a different kind of budget hearing this year? One that occurs well before the final budget, one that involves a good faith back and forth with stakeholders, and one that might result in actual changes to the budget itself. Uh, yes, I am. So I believe that's the intent of the budget process, which you described, to give notice of the budget, to get that thoughtful, constructive feedback, and then to consider any changes that should be made to the draft proposal. So they're here, you know, and I've used these words interchangeably. Sometimes people will say budget hearing, some, sometimes people will say budget briefing. What's in the Federal Credit Union Act is a briefing. And it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more of an intense briefing this year where there may be more interaction between the board and the stakeholders. By the way, generally speaking, the stakeholders asked to participate are NAFQ, CUNA, and the National Association of State Chartered Credit Unions. When I worked on Capitol Hill for Congressman Kondorski, 
he was a big fan of having a roundtable format versus a hearing format. I've always found it more informative, and certainly you have my commitment to work together with your office to figure out how we can best do that in the context of this budget. I think we can do just that. So that's interesting. You know, uh, the, the structure of the board meeting when they do these briefings is the board members sit where they usually do behind the, the seats and the presenters come up and make their presentations. It's been very rare in the past that anybody from NCUA will do more than just listen because it's an opportunity to present a trade association's beliefs. Typically they say your budget's too high and all that. So the trade associations are effective on making sure that NCUA doesn't move their budget up too quickly. I'm looking forward to seeing this budget document come out sooner and how they end up handling the actual budget briefing. All right. Next up, I believe, is former Chairman Rodney Hood. But before I begin, I, too, want to congratulate Chairman Harper on his recent swearing in for a new term. Chairman Harper is indeed the first NCUA board member to be reappointed to a full six-year term, as I understand it, at least in modern times. So I know that we as an agency are going to greatly benefit from Chairman Harper's new term because of his significant agency experience, both as a board member, chairman, and as a former NCUA staffer. I must also say that I'm delighted Chairman Harper's recent reappointment opens doors to the past, present, and future NCUA board members who have not had a full six-year term. Having served two stints on the NCA board personally, I must say that having previous agency experience benefits not only credit, but also the entire credit union industry and NCUA. Now okay, that, that was an interesting reference. So Todd Harper was appointed to a full term by President Biden and Congress, Congress first, then President Biden, nominated by President Biden. And the point Board Member Hood is making is that he's had two terms previously. Neither one of them were full terms because what happens is the term expires anywhere from a few months to generally speaking, a year goes by so that by the time somebody's appointed, there's five years left on the term. In the past, the interpretation has been that that was a full term. The Biden administration changed that. And essentially now, if someone was to come on with one year of a term gone, they would serve five years and then they would be eligible for another full term, which means that a six-year term limit could actually go as long as 11 years. And former chairman Hood points out here, he's been on the NCUA board twice now. So let's say five years and five years, he's been on 10 years. He's still not had a full term. So he could get a full term at some juncture under this new interpretation, which leads to longer standing board members potentially. And as he points out, former board members could come back to NCUA. So interesting. Why do we have such a large cash balance? Again, if we can get back to just answering some of those questions from NAPU. And I would just note for all of those joining us today, you know, we will have an opportunity to address a lot of these issues and concerns when we do our public budget hearing later this year. Was delighted that the vice chairman raised the issue of us giving the industry more time to digest the budget, to really give us their views and feedback, and that there can be an open dialogue regarding it. But again, I want the folks to know we take letters seriously and comments. And again, we're one of the few agencies that will do a public briefing. So 
the folks from NAFQ, thank you for your comment letter, but you will have additional opportunities to address uh, this topic later. But again, you can just go to some of the issues raised by the NAFQ letter on yesterday. Sure. Uh, so I reviewed the cash position of the operating fund monthly. Uh, and the vast majority of the funds, uh, the cash that we have, uh, is allotted through our budget process and budget management system for the uses approved by the board. In other words, I need to make sure that the agency has the cash available uh, to pay the bills for the items that the board has approved uh, in its budget. So that com uh, comprises the vast majority uh, of the cash. We do uh, take a look, as I say, at uh, all the uh, categories. We also have a reserve, uh, which we talked about during the budget process last year, for certain unbudgeted future liabilities. And we assess the, the extent to which those may become, or we, we need to hold on to cash uh, to possibly uh, pay those expenses in the future. So we do this similar analysis of the, the funds position for 20, that we did for 2022. I think we'll do that, or we will do that as a part of the 2023 budget process to review both the cash balances as well as the potential liabilities for unbudgeted items and present that analysis as part of the 2023 budget. Ultimately, it's a board decision. We'll have surplus cash that could be credited back to federally chartered credit unions as part of the operating fee calculation like we did for 2022. Okay, so this this gets real nerdy accountant, and I can say that with an accounting degree. So uh, federal credit union operating fees, pull in the cash, that money is used for the operating fee portion of the, of the budget. When state charter work is being done or insurance work for a federal charter is being worked, that is applied to the insurance fund, which, by the way, is already cash that's on hand. So NCUA pays the budget from both of those places. So there's different levers uh, that go into it. And there's there's like, I don't know if it's 20 or 30 steps that they have to go to with the final step being what is the operating fee? What portion needs to be paid from that? And then here they're talking about a cash surplus. Obviously, cash is king and they they don't want to just collect what they need from federals, they need to have a little bit of a buffer. And what NAFQ is referring here is that that buffer has been growing and they'd like to be more of a discussion as to why and whether or not NCUA actually needs that much. I would venture to say they do, but we'll see what happens moving forward here with the budget coming up. I'm going to close by just again reiterating, we do take public feedback very seriously. We enjoy having the dialogue with our entities, whether it be the trade groups or the credit unions themselves. I just returned recently from the World Council of Credit Unions annual conference, where we were able to join with thousands of individual credit unions who were all sharing their insights and views about what they can do to keep the system of cooperative credit alive throughout the world. I want you all to know that NCUA is considered a beacon of light and quite informative as it comes to the work that we're doing here to keep our 131 million members of credit unions accounts safe and the work that we've done to foster greater financial inclusion and access. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you that as I meet with the credit unions from all over the world, whether it's the SACOs in Africa, the Cooperativas in Central and South America, or the building societies there in the United K, they all look to our model as one that's worthy of being replicated throughout many regions. 
one of the things I would be remiss that if I didn't tell you that stands out is our transparency as a board and our transparency as a regulatory entity. People love the fact that we give you an opportunity to opine on our rulemakings, an ability to opine also on our budget. So please know you all, we are really well regarded and I'm happy to be a part of a system here in the United States that really propels our 5,000 million credit unions to serve their members. Thank you. That concludes my talk. Uh, thank you so much, board member Hood. Uh, I also appreciate your very kind words at the start and share your views that agency knowledge is very important for a board member to have. I also look forward, consisting of course with uh, our rules and procedures in the Sunshine Act, debriefing to learn more about what you learned uh, during your visit with the World Council of Credit Unions. It's important that we attend that event. That concludes our consideration of the first agenda item. Okay, so one thing they didn't go into here in the budget, because it's not the 2023 budget, it's the 2022 budget they just talked about, is the fact that the too big to fail rule uh, that they approved, which I discussed in a podcast that published this past Monday, is a, an effort to mitigate how many credit unions move over to the Office of National Exam and Supervision, and that uh, ones that office, ONES, would need 14 more staff members if they didn't change the threshold from 10 to $15 million. I'm not going to go into a great detail of discussion of that here, but I did do a previous podcast on that topic where I talk about the budget ramifications, the fact that it's not really regulatory relief, although it could have been if they'd structured it differently, et cetera. That's, uh, that was the first, my first take of taking these YouTube NCUA board minutes board meeting meetings and talking about them specifically so I can give you my take on what they present. All right, that's it. it that's a wrap. I want to thank you for your time. And I want to thank you for listening here today. And I hope you'll listen again soon. And this is Mark Treichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktreichel.com. 